Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. We believe we have a duty to charge the charges that fit the facts in this case when we have done so. And so our concern is to put the, all the energy we can into putting forth the strongest case that we can without fear or favor of anyone or anything. These charges are based on the facts that we have found, and we're going to pursue them. Hello, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is The Daily DC. For more than a week since the death of George Floyd, Americans have taken to the streets to protest police brutality, and demonstrations show no signs of stopping. But today, we saw the charge against the man who kneeled on Floyd's neck increased from third-degree to second-degree murder, and aiding and abetting second-degree murder charges were filed against the remaining police officers who watched Floyd die and did nothing. Joining us now by phone from his home to discuss what all of this means is the former head of the Washington, D.C. and Philadelphia Police Departments and one of our law enforcement analysts here at CNN, Charles Ramsey. Chief Ramsey, thank you so much for being here. It's quite all right. So can I just first get your reaction to what we heard from Attorney General Ellison out in Minnesota, the charges against those uh, other officers and that increase in charge against Chauvin? Well, I'm very pleased. I mean, I think it's more than appropriate. I was concerned whether or not the three officers that were there failed to do anything, whether or not they would be charged. So I'm very glad to hear that all four have been charged. And I think charges are warranted in this case. And do you think that charging these other officers, I know you say it's warranted, but is it also part of what's needed to change this dangerous culture in police departments? Well, I mean, it's warranted. Hopefully people pay attention and understand that, you know, they have a duty to intervene. Most departments that I'm aware of have that as part of their policies. My understanding, Minneapolis had it too, although they didn't do it. So if you see something going on, whether it's excessive force or any other form of misconduct, you have an obligation, a duty to intervene and to stop it. They failed to do that. And so they were complicit, as the the police chief there said. And hopefully everyone takes note that you have a responsibility that you have to live up to. Sanctity of life. There is absolutely nothing more important than that. And our job as police is to protect life. They Mm -hmm. failed to do that. We have seen the unrest in America sort of force yet again Americans to face this conversation about race and specifically about race in policing and how black people in America are treated by police officers and where there is systemic racism inside some of these police forces. And my question for you is, as an African-American police officer, police chief, what is it inside a police department? If you could take us inside with 
African-American police officers and white police officers, are they too engaging in this conversation inside their own police force as officers trying to grapple with the complexities? Yeah, there's no question about that. This case in particular, as well as many that uh, happened before, those conversations do take place. And, you know, listen, you know that what we saw in this video was horrific. There's no way you can justify it. It's wrong on so many levels. There are police officers, the vast majority of whom um, you know, do their jobs and do it, and do it well, um, certainly can't condone anything like that. And so, yeah, that discussion does take place. The problem is that we have close to 800,000, some say maybe a million police officers in the United States, the majority of which do their job properly. But there are officers that should not wear the uniform and badge of a police officer anywhere. And we have to rid our ranks of them. And that is the issue, in my opinion. Uh, how do you get rid of people who um, just display, you know, uh, whether it's brutality, uh, verbal abuse, misconduct? It, it doesn't matter, in my opinion. They're not serving the public the way they ought to be serving the public. And it's very difficult to terminate a police officer and have it hold up during right. arbitration. What I hear you saying is there are, you know, bad actors who need to be dealt with, but is there not also something systemic uh, in law enforcement? Well, yeah, but it's systemic in society in general. Why would police be any different? I mean, police get, get singled out, and, and I understand that. But there's systemic racism everywhere in our society. And we can't ignore it and act like, well, you know, we fixed the police, everything else in America is going to be okay. Well, it's not. And so that's not to say that police don't need reform because police do need reform. Maybe we can show the way to other parts of, of, of our society, but there's racism in just about every aspect of American life. And if it's not outright racism, certainly implicit bias, is a problem throughout society that we need to address, we need to confront, and we need to make sure that we create a level playing field, that everyone has equal opportunity. Whether we're talking about a police interaction, we're talking about finding a job, whether we're talking about healthcare, education, whatever it might be, there is discrimination and outright racism in some, in some cases in different parts of our society. No doubt about that. You know, I want to have you take us inside. What happens inside a police department, uh, especially you ran two big cities, Washington and Philadelphia, when we see protests like this and a heavy police response occurs, which at times creates friction that sort of is exactly in line with the point the protesters are trying to make. Uh, earlier this week, two college students in Atlanta were dragged out of their car, tased by multiple officers, their car windows bashed in. So it's sort of this, this like escalation of a response and a response to the response. And I'm just wondering how a police force prepares to deal with this kind of tinderbox. Well, I think in the Atlanta case, they dealt with it very quickly. That was inappropriate on the part of those officers. But when you stop and think about the number of cities that had protests, the number of people involved in a protest, the number of police officers that had to be there to monitor the protest and, and make sure that it could be done and no one got injured, and people could march or what have you, um, there weren't that many negative incidents. Now, uh, the peaceful protests are not 
the issue. I mean, during my career as chief in Washington, D.C. and in Philadelphia, I don't know how many protests I've had to um, uh, be involved in because they just happen so often. Normally, it's not a problem. But there is a small element that usually attaches itself to protests. And they're the ones that really have a different agenda. And that's where you start to have the looting. That's when you start having broken windows. You start to have um, fire set and those kinds of things. It's unfortunate because 99% of the people that protest aren't part of that. But it overshadows the legitimate grievances and the legitimate concerns that people that are protesting have. One of the challenges, in fact, is a police chief and having to deal with this is that, you know, you have limited resources. Yeah, we've got a protest going on. Yeah, you have to have it adequately covered, but you still have regular 911 calls going on. You still have uh, violence taking place on the streets of our city and you have to have enough people to cover that as well. So it's really challenging and your resources are going to be uh, stretched very, very thin. And I think you saw the consequences of that in some of the cities that uh, things got a little out of hand. When you hear the president of the United States advising governors to, quote, dominate the protesters, pushing to send in National Guard troops, threatening to invoke the Insurrection Act of 1807, what do you make of the sort of militarization of policing? I mean, the president's not helpful. He's not helpful at all. And when he says things like that, it just sends such a terrible, terrible message. So I just, you know, I I don't know what to say about that other than than, uh, within policing, uh, the vast majority of police chiefs ignore that and and understand that that's not how you deal with problems like this. It it just isn't. As far as the so-called militarization, um, police need a variety of equipment at their disposal, depending on what it is that they're dealing with. I mean, if you have a barricaded person, heavily armed, obviously you're going to need to have uh, certain equipment, including, you know, firearms, rifles, what have you, maybe armored vehicles in order to deal with that. My issue has always been uh, departments that don't have policies in place that clearly lay out when it's appropriate to even display or use that kind of equipment. And a, a demonstration is not a place for you to do that. I mean, you look at the Ferguson demonstrations from a few years back and the first night heavily armored vehicles you know had one cop sitting on top of the vehicle with a a rifle i mean you know that was ridiculous and that was an unnecessary show of force and that's what gets us in trouble it's not that you don't need some of this equipment it's when is it appropriate to be able to display it i mean we still have to deal with the threat of terrorism we still have to deal with uh, just regular crime and you have all these things you need more than a baton and a flashlight to be a police officer in today's world But, you know, how much is too much? And that discussion needs to take place. Very quickly before I let you go, you know, we've also seen police officers in places like New York, St. Louis, Las Vegas that have been injured, some seriously, amid the violence and the looting. So how can police separate these legitimate, necessary protests from the mayhem that in some cases is targeting them? I mean, is that something you also have to deal with as a chief instantly think about sort of your force protection? Well, it's, it's very, very difficult. Uh, uh, you have to be able to identify the individual, the specific individual that's responsible. You mentioned some injuries in Philadelphia. We had one of our, our officers intentionally run over by a car. He suffered a broken arm, a shattered shoulder, a fractured sternum, 12 broken ribs, and five fractures of vertebrae in his neck and back. 
I don't recall even hearing that on television. So, I mean, these are serious, life-threatening injuries. They're, you know, rare. Most protesters obviously aren't a part of anything like that. But yeah, that is a concern. I mean, it's, it's difficult. But as police, we have an obligation to see to it that people can safely exercise their First Amendment rights. You may not agree with some of the protests, uh, positions, and so forth, but it's not up to us to make that decision. I mean, our job is to protect their constitutional rights, and we do it, even at risk sometimes of getting injured ourselves. Um, and, And I think that's important. You know, when we had Occupy Philadelphia, every single day at roll call, I started roll call by having the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution read to every single officer there, and we did it every day, every shift, to remind them Folks that are out here protesting are not your enemy. They're not against you. They have a constitutional right. And I'm sensitive to it because had it not been for the sacrifices and the protests of the 1960s, I would never have become police chief in Washington, D.C. or commissioner of Philadelphia. It was their sacrifice that gave me an opportunity. And I hope the sacrifices that people are making today in light of what we're going through will benefit the youngsters of tomorrow, the future police chiefs, lawyers, doctors, and so forth. They'll have more opportunity than perhaps my generation had. Chief Charles Ramsey, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Okay, thank you. And a special thanks to our listeners as well. Remember, we publish a new episode every weeknight. So please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, consider leaving a rating or a comment. It helps people find the show. If you want to tweet about the podcast, please do so using the hashtag TheDailyDC. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you tomorrow. When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.